Welcome to the SEO Insider with your host, Seth Price, founder of Blue Shark, taking you inside the world of legal marketing and all things digital. Welcome, everybody. Thrilled to have Barry Schwartz here, a uh, con- uh, contributor search engine land at SMX, the, co- the founder of Resty Brick, a software development group, as well as the Search Engine Roundtable, which I love personally and have learned so much and kept up to date. Welcome. Thank you for being here, Barry. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Tell me about your, your journey. How did you get to become this go-to guy where we all learn so much? How did you, how, you know, you've sort of elevated yourself amongst this crowd, a very crowded space to be sort of the go-to guy. How did, tell, tell me, how did this come to be? I wrote a lot of content spam. No sarcasm. Um, no, I just write a lot. I found um, in 2003, uh, well, I, in two, early 2000s, before 2003, I started to be fascinated with the SEO community how search worked, Google was up and coming, and how links influenced Google search. It was just a fascinating thing to follow. The early Google dances where um, SEO, the SEO community would just go crazy about rank, ranking changes and how their businesses were affected by it. It was just a really fascinating uh, topic. Um, so I mean, and then I thought, like, maybe I should just kind of, like, create a journal of what the SEO community is talking about. Um, and I started doing that in the search engine roundtable. I started writing about what the, I guess, topics of interest were within the SEO community, deep inside the SEO community. And um, from there, I decided to just, you know, keep keep going, keep writing about that. And the search engine roundtables, I started, I think, in December 2003. Um, so I think that's 17 years or so. Um, and then I also started to write with Danny Sullivan um, at Search Engine Watch originally. And then we moved from Search Engine Watch over to uh, Search Engine Land shortly after. Um, and I continued to write a Search Engine Land daily um, and, and Search Engine Roundtable daily. So I probably write about five to 10 stories a day on just search. And so, so you started there, you did this, you know, you've been through everything. You've seen the spam, you've seen the sort of Google's push to force people away from the old school techniques. It seems that now the, the, um, that Google, at least from my perspective, has on the organic side, we're seeing a tweaking rather than a ma- than major shifts and that we're, not, we're, we're seeing stuff roll out over time. Can you talk to us a little bit about, from your perspective, what you, you know, how you've seen that metamorphosize within the ch- how changes are rolled out and then as somebody who is you know, essentially the... Um, a thought leader slash writer in that space, how you're seeing that job evolve as far as letting people know what's going on. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely evolved a lot over the years. So the early times it was like nobody at Google communicating with us. Then Google guy came in, which was obviously Matt Cox, but nobody knew his real name unless you were like an administrator at webmaster world. Uh, And we basically just track these, you know, changes happening at, 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 in the data centers, like rankings, page rank changes, ranking changes. And everybody would just go insane, just trying to like watch those changes. And Google really wouldn't comment much about it. The Florida update happened. I think you're in Florida now. Uh, but basically it was one of the, I think the first biggest devastating update for webmasters out there, SEOs. They were just going insane. Like my rankings dropped right before, you know, Thanksgiving and the shopping season. And all these sites that were banking on making a lot of money um, like they usually do from search engines and online e-commerce saw their revenues just go completely out of the, you know, offline. Um, and they had to fire people instead of, you know, giving out bonuses that Christmas time. So businesses went bust. And then 
as more and more concern around how Google's algorithm updates ha um, may impact businesses over the years, um, what we saw was Google started to communicate a little bit more. I think Matt Cutts by himself, under the alias of the Google guy, started to like communicate about some myths that SEOs believed in, sandbox updates and so forth. Um, and he tried to kind of like, you know, make SEOs and webmasters understand that it's not just some black box. Google really wants to rank, you know, relevant websites and their aim is to provide the best search results for the user. And sometimes that means building out algorithms that try to reverse or anticipate or prevent any malicious or manipulative um, tactics that SEOs may de deploy, like hacking, link spam, um, content spam, and so forth. Um, and these algorithms, not all of them, but these algorithms kind of try to, one, one is reduce that spam. Two is um, try to find the most relevant types of uh, search results for the query. So understanding the query better, understanding the content on the, on the site better <laughs> and seeing how that stuff matches. So Google has been much more transparent over the years about those updates. They're not fully transparent. Of course they can't be because of um, spammers will be spammers and try to you know, manipulate the search results to be given too much information. But over the years, Google has become much, much more transparent. They've allocated a lot more resources to that transparency. Um, it didn't really stop them from pushing out updates before the holiday season, but they're more conscious about it, obviously. So they, instead of pushing it out, the last core update, December core update was on December 3rd, which was after the Black Friday um, and Cyber Monday shopping seasons, what was still before uh, the holiday themselves. And half the SEOs, or more than half the SEOs were like, bad timing. And 40% of the SEOs were like, it's fine. You know, it's better. It's not done before the holiday, you know, shopping season. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely more transparency and more awareness from Googlers about bridging the SEO community, website owners, and Google. So, you know, let's take you back to the Matt Cuts period, because that was sort of, you know, talking to Rand on a prior episode, you know, you're sitting there sort of getting these d different tidbits. Some of them sort of seem misleading. You know, how did it, you, you know, as a, a journalist during that period, was that exhilarating or frustrating having to deal with sort of the, the tidbits being thrown out to us uh, slowly over time by Matt and others? So as a, as a reporter writing about this, it was, it was fun, honestly. Um, it's, I get a thrill out of covering stuff first, covering speculation and then validating that speculation later. So in the early days when Google wouldn't confirm anything, I'd be like, I think there's a Google update based on what the SEO community is chatting about online and based on the various tracking tools and so forth. Um, and before the tracking tools, obviously just looking at the chatter, like SEOs would come out of the woodworks and say, my client saw a decline here, my client saw an increase there. And you would just basically see a spike in that level of chatter. Like they say, when there's a terrorist threat, you see the channels of chatter start to like spike. And there's obviously a different level of chatter, but you would see that. And then Moz, I know Dr. P came out with his tool to track these things uh, based on the actual changes in the search results. And all these other tools have come out and they kind of all, almost always correlate with the chatter. Um, so it's it's always nice to see that. And then Google will kind of be like forced to say, you know what, maybe we did have an update. And they say, we did have an update. Um, maybe it was a smaller update um, in their opinion, or maybe they have nothing to confirm. But we've received one is Google never confirmed these core updates before. Um, and we got once Danny Sullivan moved over to Google, he started to confirm them. Um, and 
even sometimes they'd be like, yeah, we did push out a small tweak to a core update or we did push out a small tweak to a Panda update back in the past and they would confirm things after the fact. Um, now they're pretty more proactive and they don't confirm things after the fact. But um, yeah, I always like the thrill of saying, I think I see something. Google, could you confirm it? Yes or no. Um, and even, you know, them sharing whatever information. The more information they share, the more interesting it is to see they share this piece today, they share that piece yesterday, they share this piece six months ago. How does that all correlate with each other? You know, as somebody who sort of, you know, was part of an industry that pretty much learned its lesson then, not that there aren't plenty of legal spammers out there, um, but for the most people who are managing sites, your goal is not to get in trouble. And these algorithm updates, I sort of, it, it's, got, it's shifted for myself from dreading them to loving them because generally the cream has risen to the top. The one area that hasn't been has been local. We've talked a lot about on this program, speaking to people, why has Google not taken the steps necessary to eliminate spam in the local results where they did a pretty darn good job in the organic results? Right. So, I mean, Google local results do run off of different algorithms than Google web search. Although there are some overlapping algorithms for understanding queries and so forth, like neural matching. But Google Maps is newer. I mean, it's a newer platform than Google search. Um, and Google search seems to have a lot more resources with spam, web spam teams um, than uh, the Google local team. You don't really hear much of anybody from the Google local team. Um, although um, they are pouring tremendous amount of resources and features. So you see new features launching all the time around local, um, new tests, new user interfaces um, around health and safety with COVID, mapping directions, you name it. There's so many new features being released. No, uh, a- absolutely. It just seems that we see amazing things, posts and you scheduling and you know, they're going to make it to the point where you can, you never have to leave the GMB to, to deal with a lawyer. That's great. But the idea that in today's day and age that the, the spam is so saturated through some of the more competitive markets um, that it just seems that like the, this is something, and I'm just curious, had there been discussion, have you had discussions with any of the people, your former colleague who's now on the inside, you know, it's something that presumably could be dealt with if they cared about it. Is there a reason it hasn't been prioritized? And do you think, or do you think it will be something that they look at and try to tackle in the coming months or year? So I, I think they're definitely aware of it. Um, I think they've, de- they have done certain amounts of efforts to reduce some of that spam, specifically in locksmith areas and stuff like that. Um, they've taken certain cases, but it's, they're always a step behind. It's like the old days of Google's organic search where Google was always a step behind the spammer. Um, it's just so easy to get businesses into Google My Business uh, through multiple ver- verification methods and virtual offices and you name it, that they constantly are trying to tweak their policies uh, around verification and what businesses could be listed, what type of businesses. And then as they tweak those policies, spammers find other loopholes to go ahead and get their business in there. And there's some people that are just being completely, um, um, basically not doing the right thing. I don't know if it's legal or not, but some of the cases are probably not legal in what they're doing to get their business in there. So um, I think they're aware of it. It's just, they're just, step, they're just years and years behind on, when it comes to organic search. You know, uh, what is what was it like to have a, a colleague who you worked with, you know, in different capacities over the years, uh, you know, uh, on one side of the aisle to uh, to go to go in house? Was that was that in a bit of an adjustment? Has that been a neat neat thing to uh, have that continued banter? Yeah, so that was years ago now. So, but I wrote a post about it. Like my worlds are upside down. Um, so you had Matt Cutts leave Google and join the government. You had Danny Sullivan stop writing about search from a um, SEO perspective, I guess, and start 
um, working inside for Google. Um, and now my kind of worlds are upside down in that sense. So, um, but honestly, I think it's been a very big positive. Um, it would be great if Matt Cutts was still there, but Matt Cutts is no longer there and Danny Sullivan's there. And I think he's made that a lot of good change in terms of helping Googlers understand the importance and there's perspective from SEOs, webmasters, site owners, and so forth, um, and kind of championing our position inside of Google. It's not always, I assume, easy for him to do that. Um, and at the same time, um, it's somewhat of a loss to the SEO community where he can't really just, his writing style was something that I've never seen replaced. I, I can't replace it. Um, but he was able to really take a feature or a new thing or something going on with Google, break it down really, really easily for people to understand and really get to the core of that subject in a matter of like no time. He could publish an article in like 20 minutes that was like crazy long, but was really broken in a way that people could understand it really quickly. Um, and that part I, I still do miss today. Um, I don't think we'll ever find somebody who could do that because it's history in the space since the nineties. Um, you don't have that um, with his writing style. He was a journalist that understood search from his infancy um, that also hacked his way into through coding here and there. He's not a coder, but he understood the HTML and stuff like that. So it was a very, and he's just a fun personality. So it's, it was, it's, it's, it's a big loss for him to not be writing, I think, uh, from in that search engine land, but there also is very big positives for him working in Google directly. You know, um, going back to the history of, of Google sort of spoon feeding things out, are there any examples you can think of of times when you were reporting on things they were giving you that turned out to be red herrings or things that SEOs probably shouldn't have been following, but Google wanted followed? Was that, that, that was sort of the part of the part that I found as an SEO early on was very difficult, was figuring out what that was being said versus what we actually should do that was in the best interest of a client. That's a good question. Um, I mean, there's all this debate around so i mean that's early on is page rank scores like you know they were so proud of their page rank scores they had a toolbar indicator for it seos would optimize for it and then as people started manipulating in the seo community google wanted to kind of do away a page rank but the marketing team said oh google's all about page rank we can't do it so it took them years and years to um kind of go away from page rank scores and then people started following da scores which have nothing to do with how google ranks stuff which is a shame um but yeah, that's one thing. I mean, the other thing is probably the Google quality raters guidelines for years and years, it was always leaked. And then eventually Google's like, you know what, forget it. Let's just publish it. Um, and they published it and it was a win-win for them. I mean, I think that's a much bigger win uh, for Google because they're just basically saying build a great website uh, and then people are building great websites. I mean, the more obscure things are like link building, you know, do widget links work, do um, spammy links work. And a lot of SEOs will say, yeah, they still work and I'm still doing it for my clients because the outcome shows that we're getting good results from doing the things that Google tells us not to do in their guidelines. Google says, don't do X, Y, and Z, but yet we know X, Y, and Z works. We're going to still do it. Uh, the question is in the long term, in five years from now, will that uh, work? Is it you have to start building a new website or not from it? And we've seen that over the years with Panda, Penguin, uh, various Google updates over the years that taking easy shortcuts although it may make you a lot of money in, the, in uh, one uh, six month period or even a few year period, ultimately that website's not gonna stand the, the, the time of Google and their algorithms and eventually not do what it's supposed to do. So um, it's hard to say that what Google's telling us to do versus what we should do because there's only the timing difference between 
that. Right. So some of it is like a warning, hey, you better stop doing this. It may not affect you at some point. It may. And the question is, have you pushed it too far? Exactly. Um, talk to me about the future. What do you see coming down the road? Where, you know, where, if you, from your perspective, what should SEOs be focused on, uh, you know, coming up 2021, 22? Um, all right. So the most immediate, I mean, so there's always these core updates. So we just had a core update and those are some of the bigger things that SEOs are like, these are, these are important. So make sure your client's websites, you know, you basically build the best possible website, yada, Google says make great websites, yada, yada, Google has their advice around core updates, just search for Google core updates advice or something like that, and you'll probably find the article. Um, outside of that, I mean, the things that are upcoming really soon is obviously mobile first indexing. Most sites hopefully by now are over on mobile first indexing, but if your site is not ready for mobile first indexing, um, that might be a big issue. So March, 2021 is Google's gonna say every single website is gonna be mobile first indexing. If your site has not been moved over then, Yet, that means that Google says your mobile site and your desktop site are different. Okay? It doesn't, it, rankings are going to change. So March, websites that haven't been updated in a while that are not really done well, probably will see some ranking uh, disturbance because of it. But I would assume by now, I don't know, most websites have been moved over. So it is what it is. Um, and then obviously the page experience update with Core Web Vitals, that's happening in May, 2021. Uh, we saw some examples of how that might look in the search results. So Google said the, the actual snippets themselves will have maybe visual indicators showing you if the website does well with page experience update. Uh, there's small little icons. Google did it with a mobile friendly update. Uh, when it was, when that rolled out, Google did it with uh, fast pages or slow pages. Uh, Google did it, does it with AMP today where they have these indicators. So I think that's the most important part is to make sure you have good indicators for your website because that could increase or decrease click-through rates in the search results. I don't think personally that you'll see a massive uh, ranking change um, if you don't do well with the Core Web Vitals. I think um, relevancy will always trump page speed or Core, core Web Vitals. Uh, but if your website and your client's website are exactly the same, then Core Web Vitals will come into play. So um, those are like the most um, upcoming things that SEOs should worry about and webmasters should worry about, making sure you're future-proofing your core updates, uh, making sure your site is mobile-friendly and mobile ready for mobile-first indexing, and the upcoming page experience update. Gotcha. Um, what about LSAs? You know, we, I was out at, in, with Google on the West Coast a number a couple of years back. They were focusing on the, the, the awfulness in locksmiths and home improvements. And then they said, oh, well, there's a lot of money in legal. Let's, let's go there, even though you guys are licensed. Um, it's been a pretty clunky rollout so far. I uh, just want to get your perspective on the uh, the LSA expansion beyond the original um, couple areas they started with. Yeah, so local service ads. Um, so I've heard mixed rumors. I've heard that they worked very, very well from a lot of people. And then I've heard from some people they're not so great. Um, I'm not sure. Somebody really should do a study on by niche, by, by industry. Like maybe it's really great for plumbers, but horrible for legal professionals. Um, I'm not and sure. Like anything, it depends, right? You know, if it, right now, I think that we are, I'm not judging it based on the ROI right now. A lot of people are getting great ROI, but they also have not turned them into an auction yet, which when that happens, that, that great ROI is likely to disappear. So right now I'm like, yeah, it's a wild west. Grab what you can because they're trying to get you hooked on it. But, um, you know, PPC got pretty expensive in, in major markets for money keywords. Uh, I don't, I assume that the lead gen that you're getting through the local service ads will go the same way within a short period of time. 
Right. I think now it's just a monthly, like a fifty dollar per month fee to be. To no, no, you're like paying that. per call okay. at a pretty substantial rate, but it's still reasonable compared to the cost of clicks. Okay. So let's say a click might be sixty dollars, a call might be two hundred. That's a pretty good deal if your clicks are at sixty to get an actual call that's challengeable to a certain extent. So the my my concern is they're going to get to the point where they're like, okay, you know, we we recognize that there are more people that want that call than there are you know, calls available and it's going to push that up. So that $200 call will become hypothetically $600 to match the $60 click. Yeah. I mean, that's the case of this. It's like, you know, when you were back in SEO and PPC back in the old days, it was cheap and really easy to make a lot of money. So take advantage while you can. And I'm sure something's going to come out in the future that's new around this. This will Google get guaranteed. Um, which is, I think that's the $50 per month uh, service. So that's something that people should probably take advantage of if they can. Uh, getting a little badge indicator on your local listings is really, really good. Um, but if you know that $200 phone call is worth it for you and you can return that conversion rate and the ROI is there, you know, pay as much as you can to get as much of that volume now before other people uh, start to find out about it. And then that rate, that click-through rate or that phone call rate goes up way too high. Awesome. You know, uh, in the remaining moments we have, I uh, just want to get your thoughts. You know, you talked about what you sort of what you think Google's going, but what, what, what you know, what, what's interesting to you? If, uh, you know, you, you speak to and, and get the opportunity to talk inside and on and off the record with people, you know, what, what are the things that sort of interest you coming up in the uh, coming uh, quarters? Um, I mean, there's, there's two ways to, to kind of look at that. One is, Google's constant devotion and desire to make search as best as possible for their searchers, for the users. Um, and they will go at no, they will, it's no expense for them to do that. So um, Google will do whatever they can to make sure their search results, both on the ad side and on the organic side and the local side and all of the different verticals are as the best they can. So when we, as webmasters or site owners or SEOs see something that Google's changing or testing, we have to really, instead of thinking about, oh, this is gonna hurt us or Google's doing this because they're evil, they're gonna do it no matter what. We can complain as much as we want, they're gonna still do it. You have to get in the mindset of where Google wants to go because they wanna satisfy their searchers. And if that means featured snippets are gonna reduce click-through rates or um, Google's gonna show zero results and reduce clicks, you gotta think about how can I say, all right, I want to leverage this from a branding perspective. So next time somebody searches for that query, they're not searching for the, the question, um, they're searching for my brand and getting to my website. Um, so you have to kind of think about how could I leverage these changes that Google's gonna keep doing no matter what, how much we complain as SEOs, as, as SEOs, we have to make sure to leverage those changes that Google's gonna make in the future uh, to the best of our ability to kind of drive that conversion uh, to our website or by a phone call, who cares if they're actually clicking it onto our website? We care more if they're making a sale. And maybe that means Google, you know, buy now, uh, Google, uh, buy on Google, or maybe it means shopping actions, or maybe it means um, using the Google new lead forms or Google My Business or whatever it might be. You want to make sure you get that lead to your site as, uh, or to your phone or any way you possibly can um, so you could actually convert that user. And that might mean you have to invest more in branding so you get that phone call later um, in a feature snippet or something like that. So that's one perspective of thinking about, all right, Google's gonna change, you gotta to adapt to it. And SEOs have been really 
really good about adapting to change. That's what SEO is all about, change. Um, so I'm not concerned with SEOs about doing that. Um, and then, I mean, there's the bigger things that like, Google's constantly doing. I mean, Google is constantly changing things and so forth. So, you know, um, you know, voice search, um, Google Assistant, um, upcoming players, like maybe Apple Siri, Apple Search is coming out with something in the future, hopefully. Um, Microsoft Bing is investing tremendous still. DuckDuckGo is doing crazy amounts of commercials. <laughs> um, so there's lots of competition out there. Um, and voice search has always been pretty interesting to me. Um, it's baked into everything now. You're driving your car, voice search is there. You're talking to your fridge, your microwave, uh, your, your clock on your counter. I have a Google Home and an Apple Siri behind me, um, Apple Home Pod behind me. Um, assistance and home automation and all that stuff. It's just so exciting where we're in right, the position we're in right now from a searcher perspective. And the question is, how could we as SEOs leverage all that uh, for, to make the biggest bang for our buck? That's awesome. But as we conclude, can you just tell me a little bit about Rusty Brick and, and your, you know, what, what do you guys do there? So Rusty Brick does not do SEO. Um, we build software. So if you have a unique idea that you want to build a website for or a mobile app for, usually like, I don't know, you're in the law business and you have an idea of how to um, make your lawyers bill more by making sure they track their hours better. Uh, stuff like that, any software, workflow systems, anything to make your businesses more efficient or new ideas like startup ideas, that's what we focus on. Anything that's not out of the box. So if you want to build an e-commerce site, go with Shopify. But if you want to build something that's unique, that is not out of the box, that's what Rusty Brick specializes in building. Well, I'll give you my two cents on where I see demand in the market without a solution is billing of hours, whether it be legal or otherwise. There's plenty of billing software out there, but understanding that most people spend most of their time on their phone and email with their mobile device and finding something that truly helps capture that phone time and email text time, I don't think really has been done elegantly in the market and somebody's gonna make a lot of money with that. Yeah, there is actually a reason for that because Google and Apple, and Apple are very restrictive about, more so Apple, restrictive about what you could do with the background with third-party apps um, on native apps like the phone app and the native email client and texting. Um, but yeah, that's a, yeah, if you could, there's lots of solutions out there, but if somebody could crack that nut, they'll make a lot of money. Absolutely. Well, listen, thank you so much, Barry. I really appreciate it. And uh, keep up the, the awesome work. I, I got to tell you, it just, it, it has been part, part of my journey is getting your, your emails and figuring out what, what my next challenge is. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been a fun ride and I'm glad to have always had you as, uh, as sort of my secret source for, or, or primary source to figure out what, where I need to turn next. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been fun talking. Thank you for tuning in to the SEO Insider with Seth Price. Be sure to check back next week for fresh insights into building your brand's online presence. Episodes are available to stream directly on Blue Shark Digital's website.